Welcome to the teaching ministry of pastors Carl and Cheryl Thomas. Our favorite verse is Habakkuk 2.14, for the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Consumed by that revelation, we are committed to recognizing, resourcing, and releasing high-impact ministries resulting in global glory, transforming lives to impact their world. We have a teaching that will impact you today. Now, let's get right into that word. Amen. Well, we're going to start a new sermon series. I'm going to bounce through this one, a little introduction, try to hit it pretty quick. Can I do that? Everybody said, I have faith. Hallelujah. RSVP, RSVP. So this is, uh, RSVP is French for uh, something. Respondez, s'il vous plaît. So please give me a response. So RSV, you know, Lord put out an appeal and he wants a response. He wants you to respond that you want to be a part of his kingdom and you want to be in on the great big party that's going to happen in the end when he brings us all to himself. It's a massive wedding feast. It's going to be a wild time. So we want to talk about Jesus, the party crasher. So we're going to do some party crashing with Jesus. Everybody ready? All right, so give you some theology of party first. We want to lay that down. All right, having fun and enjoying parties is God's idea. Having fun and enjoying parties is God's idea. Now, if you're introverted, the whole idea of going to a party, hanging out with a bunch of people, you might get freaked out. But trust me, it's a really great thing to do. It's good for you. And God loves a party. Throughout the Bible, you cannot swing a dead cat without hitting a party. Not that you'd want to swing a dead cat, but anyways, if you did. I mean, there's just festivals, banquets, parties, feasts. God set up a whole feast institution and wanted people to travel back regularly just to stay with him, be in his presence, his feast with them for like seven days at a time. Like not little parties, big parties. Even back then, I mean, Jesus, the first miracle, he was at a party, he was at a wedding. Probably somebody in his family's invited to bring all his disciples and they ran out of wine. And seven days long, if you run out of wine, you know, that's a bad thing their culture if you ran out of wine and Jesus mother came and said Jesus they ran out of wine could you do something he's saying lady he said woman he didn't even say mom he said woman I don't know I didn't say that to my mom like ever you know but he said woman I mean what's this got to do with me and he said it's not my time yet what I like about that is Jesus saying I haven't really engaged in the ministry yet or it's not time yet but she didn't care she said you know what there's a situation that needs attention and you can change it and I'm putting a demand on you and I love that, that faith can get a breakthrough no matter what's going on. And she, she just turned to the servant and said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. He's going to fix this situation. And the very, very best wine was brewed in those ceremonial pots. And he manifested, I am going to celebrate way beyond and above, and I'm going to break tradition, and I'm going to bring you the very, very best right now. Some people say he saved the best for last, but it doesn't say that if you read it and read every word carefully, it says he saved the best for now, which is right now. And if you need the best, it's not, well, the best is yet to come. No, it's not. It's right now. Oh, and there it is again. Oops, there it is now. Oh, there it is again. Oh, there it is. He's a God who gives you the very best. He's never holding out on you. He's awesome, and he just takes you from gooder to gooder, better to better, and it's good all the time. Matthew 22, 2 says, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. The kingdom of heaven, what is it? What are we invited into? This is God explaining it himself. You are invited into an incredible feast that is thrown by God Almighty, and it's the best party ever. 
So it's a good thing. In Exodus chapter five, verse one, it says, thus said the Lord God of Israel. He said, let my people go that they may hold a feast for me in the wilderness. Let my people come out of bondage so that they can come and serve me in straight trackets of bondage and religion and make sure you obey and serve me every day. Let my people come out of bondage so we can party together. Let them come three days journey. Let them come completely away so that they can hang out with me. I want to dance and revel and feast with my children. God is the author of let's have a party. So feast is that word hagag. Hagag. Say that. Hagag. You have to kind of get a hork in your mouth. Okay. To hold a festival. Here's what it means. Call them. Bring them out. I want to hold a festival. I want a reel. I want to be giddy. I want to celebrate. I want to dance. I even want to stagger a little bit. Woo! Wowzer. That was his idea, really. 1 Samuel 30, verse 16, this verse is used there. David goes and he, he gets all of the plunder from the Amalekites and he brings all the stuff back. And it says, when they came back, they brought, when they brought it all down, behold, they were spread abroad. I mean, they're spread all over the place, eating and drinking and hugging. There's that word. They were dancing. It means to grab hands with others, to spin and to twirl and to rejoice. God is the author of let's have a party. When I was a kid, I couldn't go to parties because I was a Christian. Oh, it's true. My friends are having a party. Can I go? No. There's a dance at school. Can I go? No. There's nothing. Anything that was going on where there's any type of celebration. No. We would go to weddings, and we would be the awkward Christian people in the corner. They go, what a great wedding. Who's those folks over there? Oh, it's my Uncle Carl and his family. They're, They're Christians. Oh, okay. That's why they're so sad. Okay. Everybody else just dancing and congratulations, so awesome. Congratulations. We are here, but we will stay separate. We will not dance. We will not involve ourselves in anything. We will be a witness and a testimony to you of all the evil things you're about to do. <laughs> At least that's when I was a kid. That's what I thought. I, I started to go, hey, stop that. We're just staying here for a bit because it's family. We deplore this event. I'm like, my God, we are boring. <laughs> Any other, just bow your heads, close your eyes. Any other Christians remember those days? <laughs> Even have my daughter's hand up. That shows took me a while to get delivered from it. <laughs> Luke chapter 7, 34 to 35. The Son of Man has come, and he came eating and drinking. And you say, behold, he's gluttonous. He's a man, he's a drunkard, he's a friend of tax collectors and cinders. Cinders. Cinders, that's like another class of cinders altogether. Really bad cinders. 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 They're halfway fried already. Cinders. Amen. So, because all of the... Okay, stay, stay with me. Yet, yet wisdom is vindicated by all our children. Jesus went to the parties. Jesus is always found at parties. Jesus, you see, see. They, let, let me give you a couple of slides. You ready? Give me this slide. Give me this. Jesus based celebra- he placed celebration over religious tradition. He placed celebration over religious tradition. Jesus did that. Religious practice, they practiced the discipleship of separation. Amen. We're separate from them. Come out from among them and be ye separate. But what about the part that said, go ye into all the world? We get confused with some of this stuff, and we get stuff preached at us. One day the pastor says, come out from among them, come out of Babylon, and be ye separate. Yes, we want to be holy. Oh. 
And the next week he's going, would you guys go reach some more people? Fill these chairs. Go reach the lost. But we're not supposed to hang out with them. Well, you can do it if you're bringing them to church. If you're sharing the gospel, you can talk to a sinner. Most sinners don't want to talk to you. They'll hang out with you. They might like to go bowling with you or do something fun with you or invite you to a party. Jesus would go to the party. Jesus practiced discipleship of association. Jesus brought people into his community. He loved people. He, everybody felt at home with him, even the people. See, sinners, what a sinner meant was that the religious community had said that you don't fit, you don't belong, you're not in, you'd been excommunicated, you cannot be a part of us. So sinners were people excluded from the religious society. But Jesus was called the friend of sinners. Thank God for that. Isn't that good? All right, so Jesus built redemptive relationships. He went to where people were. He approached everyone. Can I get it? Everyone. Deuteronomy 14, 22 to 27. The notes are online. You can download them, read later, check it out. But here, Jesus, or not Jesus, but, but God, in, even in the old covenant, he said, I want you to go take 10% of your income, set it apart, and if you can't bring 10% of all you have and bring it to Jerusalem, then sell 10% of all that you have, and I want you to turn it into money, and then I want you to come to Jerusalem, and here's what he said, you shall tithe all your yield, bring 10%, spend the money on whatever you desire. 10% of your income. I want you all next week to come back with 10% of your income and all of, of your increase, and we're going to bring it into one big party, and we're going to buy a whack of stuff, and we're just going to, for seven days, get messy. Woo! Ah, this church is crazy. That's what God said to them. Here's what he said. He said, spend the money on whatever you desire, oxen, sheep, wine, or Strong drink. Whatever your appetite craves, and you shall eat there. And what are we going to do with all of this stuff? We're going to party in the presence of God. Oh, I didn't. I thought we tried to ignore God when we were at parties. If you can't party in the face of God and in His presence, you're not walking in faith. And you've probably abused the whole purpose for the party. You see, do it before the Lord your God and rejoice, you and, and your whole house. And if you live a long ways away, travel, whatever it takes, get here, because I want you regularly, several times a year, I want you regularly to come, and I want to feast with you, and you need to soak. You need to get away from everything for a while and just get whacked in my presence and enjoy me. Amen. Wow, pastor, we just had a teen challenge guy talking about addictions and stuff, and now you're saying, like, let's party. I'm so confused. Stay with me. Stay with me. Isaiah 26, 6 to 9. If you read it, study the context. I don't have time to do it today, but I'm telling you, this is a revelation of the church, not, not in the future, sweet by and by. This is what God has done in the church. This is a prophecy of Isaiah, and this is describing God's community, the church. Are you ready? Are you ready? And in this mountain, the mountain of the Lord, the mountain of the Lord, which is the house of God, which is the church, and the mountain of the Lord of hosts, I will make for all people a feast of choice pieces, a feast of wines on the leaves and 
fat and full of marrow, of well-refined wines on the lees, and he will destroy on this mountain the surface of the covering that's cast over the people. Everything that shames you, everything that covers you, everything that hinders you, I'm going to remove it and deliver you and set you free from it. I'm going to cast out that veil that is spread over all the nations. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from their faces. The rebuke of his people he will take away from all of the earth, for the Lord has spoken. And it will be said in day, behold, this is our God. We waited for him. He will save us. This is the Lord. We waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Now, a lot of people take that and they shove it in the millennium and they say, that's in the, in the sweet by and by, God's going to be fun. In the sweet by and by, God's going to throw a party. This in the context is talking about the church. When you come to my house, you're going to come to a place of freedom. You're going to come to a place where shame is broken. You're going to come to a place where there's no veil between me and my people. You're going to come to a place where there's a feast spread, where there is so much that you can delight yourself in, in God. And I will flood you and I will satisfy you and I will bless you. In my house, says the Lord your God. And that's for us right now. So there's so many places I go over and over and over through the Bible where it talks about how God himself wants to throw a lavish, extreme, scandalous party for his people. <laughs> All right, but I have to do this. Let's go to Proverbs 23. Proverbs 23, 29 to 35. Now, this is what happens when you mess up and you abuse this process. You ready? Here it is. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has complaints? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? Who went to a party, got wrecked, messed up, abused a bunch of substances, can't remember what he did, obviously got in a fight, did something. I'm bruised, I'm messed up, I feel sick, my eyes are red, and I'm totally messed up. Who is that? That's somebody who abuses substances, who abuses things that God has blessed us with, who's turned something that God wanted to rejoice with and turned it into something that abuses life and messes with life and harms people. And if you go to a party because you want to get whacked and you want to get drunk and you want to lose your mind and you want to not hold you who know who you are, you're going to end up homeless in Sudbury and in jail every Christmas. That's something to celebrate about. You see, Mark was set free from that stuff. And that's when people abuse things. But you know, abuse doesn't have to mean total non-use. I'm not opposed to people who say, well, pastor, I have a glass of wine once in a while. That's great. Just don't have four or five bottles. You know, I like to eat a nice prime rib, but well, that's great, but don't have the 40-ounce slice. Like, why do people have to take good stuff and go to excess? And then because people have taken things and they've taken it to excess, we then make rules and say, you know what? People have problems with that, so we just don't want anybody to do it anymore. So what we're going to do is we're going to separate ourselves from all those fine, wonderful choice things because we are Christians. You know what? If you can't handle it, please do separate yourself from it. If you got a problem with it, please stop it. If you got a problem with it, let some of your friends talk to you and say, you know what, you can have a lot of fun without that. It's better you not do it and have a lot of fun with this than do that and mess up your whole life. Can I get an amen? Because you know, the Bible is full of places where God is totally opposed to drunkenness. He's totally opposed to people abusing substances. He didn't give you those things so that you could wreck your life. Can I get an amen? Where'd the party spirit go? What's with you people? You're all right. You got to talk about that. I'm telling you, you got to talk about that because it's a problem and people get messed up in that. Can I get amen? Another one? Just throw one at me. Hey, just because I'm needy. All right. Appreciate that. All right. 
Now, we're going to jump into a party today, and this whole series is about Jesus crashing parties. So he crashed some parties, all right? So, so we're going to jump into a party today, but we're going to look at a party where Jesus actually made everybody feel awkward. It was kind of awkward. Now, awkwardness, if you... Awkwardness. I looked up BuzzFeed. It has most awkward situations, or it gives them by percentage. Now, awkward. You show up at a party with a dress or clothes or a suit exactly the same as somebody else. They say that is 45% awkward. I know when I went to my... Somebody's testifying over there. That's awesome. We went to my uh, uh, graduation, and my girlfriend bought a dress. We lived in Peterborough, and not very many dress shops in Peterborough. When we got there, there was like eight girls with the exact same dress on. So what happened, though, was that she left me, went, hung out with those folks. I never saw her for the rest of the night. They just took pictures together, and they were, they were all thrilled. Look at us. We got the exact same dress on. This is so cool. We went to the bathroom together, went dancing together, did everything. I lost my girlfriend for the whole night. It was crazy. They just had fun. They didn't think it was awkward. They were, you know, that other... 50% that said, this is so cool. All right, awkward, awkward. This a person who traps you for a chat uh, that you don't want to chat with and you're stuck there talking to them. That is considered 66% awkward. How many have already had that experience this morning? 66% awkward, so... Okay, so attempting a handshake, a hug, or a kiss, and the other person chooses a different mode of greeting you. That's why, you know, I go to Montreal. In Montreal, they, they mwah, mwah, and then they come back for a third one. You know, it's like, mwah, mwah. So I'm like, I'm, mwah, and then I'm, mwah, and then they come back the other side for the third, and I'm headbutt. Boom. I'm just, I wasn't expecting the third one. That was kind of strange. So it's just like, sorry about that. So every time I've been down there preaching, you know I've been there because there's several people with black eyes. So it's really great. But, but that's kind of awkward. Saying goodbye to somebody and then you get in your cars and you leave the same direction. You, know, you say this goodbye to somebody, see you later at the mall and you both start walking together. <laughs> see ya. <laughs> Bye now. Is that weird or what? I don't know. How do you do that? I do that pulling out a parking lot here. You kind of, hey, see you later. You pull up and then you get over the thing at the light and you're like, So should I just pretend I don't know they're there, or should I roll down my window and go, hey, and then all the way up Adelaide, hey, is, is that just me, or I feel that's kind of weird, and I thought that was, and that's actually only 53% awkward, I thought that was really awkward, no, not, maybe it's just me, I don't know, but here's a 97% awkward, you ready, you have to introduce someone when you can't remember their name, hey, this is my friend, uh, it's 100% awkward to me to say this is my wife. <laughs> it's my first wife. <laughs> Still my first wife. But I'll tell you, Jesus got awkward at this party. And let's see what we can learn. You ready? So number one, he got all the points already up there. But it's in John 14, 1 to 24. I'm going to read it. You ready? It says, now. I love that word now. Now it happened. As he went to the house of one of the rulers of the Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath, they watched him closely. Now, bang, how many folks hang out with somebody after church on Sunday? Where are you going? What's happening? You're going somewhere, and then you find somebody, you go have lunch, that's all good. Well, this is one of those people that was like, hey, Jesus, I got a bunch of people coming after church to my place, having a barbecue and stuff, and we want you to come. So it's one of those after church parties. How many love those after church parties? Man, not me. Okay, so... <laughs> I just need so much inf affirmation. I sit there the whole time going, how did I preach today? Did I, did I preach? And then everybody's feeling awkward going, oh my goodness, we got to stamp the pastor's ticket all day. It was awesome, pastor. We loved it. Yeah. 
which you should do a little more often. Maybe send me an email. (laughs) But see, Jesus, listen, number one, number one, he knew that they didn't like him. He knew that this invitation is not because they want to hang out with me because it says they brought him, but then they watched him closely. So it's one of those things where, come on over to my place. And then you got a whole bunch of your friends just staring at Jesus. So here it is. It's an awkward situation. This is Jesus getting awkward after church. So that's number one, that awkward I'm attending and I know nobody likes me party. All right, number two, go to those parties. I actually love going to those parties. We've planted several churches in town, most of them by accident. And uh, when they have their opening service, I usually show up and go, congratulations. They go, oh my God, it's Pastor Carl. Go, yeah, I'm thrilled that you're at a new church. <laughs> this isn't awkward, is it? Uh, amen. I'm really not. You should be here. Anyways, let's, let's stop that one right there. Okay. Uh, and behold, and behold, there was a certain man who had droopsy. Did, I mean, how many looked up droopsy? Droopsy was his second wife, droopsy. Sorry? Palsy? Dropsy? No, it wasn't droopsy. It's a, it means you got, there's a manifestation of swollenness in your body. There's some evidence of sickness and there's a demonstration that Jesus could see this person isn't well. Okay, does that help anybody? Okay, all right. Okay, and Jesus answering spoke to the lawyers. That means there was people specifically who studied the law, what was right and what was wrong. So had a whole bunch of lawyers who walked around telling us, you can do that, you can't do that. You can do that. Nope, that is a no. That's a yes, that's okay. There's a whole bunch of those people there, all right? So there's uh, religious people, there's lawyers of the law. They're saying, is it lawful to eat on the Sabbath? But they kept silent. They just stared at him. Awkward. They stared at him, and he said, "Mm, okay, they kept silent. So he took the guy with the swollen joints, swelled up, and he healed him, boom, and he let him go. And then he answered them saying, which of you having a donkey or an ox has fallen into a pit, and you will not immediately go down and save him on the Sabbath? And they could not answer him regarding these things. See, what he's saying is, guys, you're stuck on all these traditions and all these crazy things, and you forgot that, you know, this wasn't written for people to observe. This was, this was for, for people. God, God loves people more than he does the rules he set up for them. And he says, when you see somebody not well, I mean, you would take care of one of your oxes or, or take care of one of your goats before you'd heal this man. This man should be healed right now. We're legally obliged to do it. He heals them right there in front of them. He, you know, he puts them up on top of the table, moves all the stuff out of the way. Well, he probably didn't speak in tongues, but anyways. He made a a big show that I'm going to heal somebody right now because I know you guys are just looking for stuff to get freaked out about. So Jesus got really awkward at this party. All right, so go on. So he told a parable. So he told a parable. He starts to tell a parable about who were invited, and he noted how they chose the best place, saying to them, when you're invited by anyone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the best places. Like, don't sit at the head table. It might be for somebody else. Don't sit in the best places, saying to them, when you invited by anyone to the feast, do not sit down in the best places. Let the more honorable uh, that have been invited by him, and he invited to you to come and to say to you, give this man this place, and then you end up being in shame because you took a seat that he reserved for somebody else, and you got to go, oh, pardon me, and then you go back to the lowest place. But when you're invited, go sit down in the lowest place so that the person who's invited you would come to you and say, hey, friend, come on, come up higher. Then you will have glory in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. 
So what's he do right there? Now, not only that, he says, I noticed when I came to this party that there are a bunch of you scurrying for the best seats around the table. And so here he insults all the guests. And he rebukes the front seat takers or the special seat takers. He says, who do you people think you are? You're all scurrying around trying to think you're important. When he says, you know what? Don't take the best seat. Take a lower seat. And then you know what? If somebody wants to move you up or the guest says, come on, I want to give you a place of honor. Let them honor you. Don't go around honoring yourself. Well, thanks for that, Jesus. We really appreciate you. This is awkward. But do that in your life. Make sure you honor other people above who you are. Make sure that other people are more special than you. But please do fill the front rows here because it looks better for the camera. <laughs> All right. So he rebukes, he rebukes the, the, you know, the people who are the front seat takers. Boom, bang, bang. All right. Then he also said to the man who invited him. Now he's talking to the host of the party, the guy who's throwing the party. He says, when you give a dinner or a supper, do not ask your friends, or your brothers, or your relatives, or your rich neighbors, lest they invite you back. I thought that was the deal. I invite you, you invite me. I'll cover it next time. Oh, I got it this time. Hey, you got it next time. How about you invite people that can't pay? How you invite people that you don't even know? How about you invite people that can't pay you back who might really need a meal instead of the people that, hey, you're going to have our friends over tonight, you know? And then they'll have us over next week. Let's start a little dinner community, us people. He said, I've noticed when you throw parties, you're always inviting your friends, but I notice the poor people, the people who really need a meal, you never invite them. What's the deal with that? Awkward. This was Jesus at a party. You keep on inviting them. He says, listen, but when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind, and you'll be pleased because you, they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Amen. All right, let's move on. Now, when one of those who sat at the table heard him saying all these things, he said, <laughs> okay, Jesus. <laughs> hey, everybody. <laughs> hey, buddy. Uh, blessed is uh, he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Amen. Fash <laughs> the relish. That's good. You know, this party needs to lighten up. Oh, my God. So you got somebody, not Jesus, not even the, the, you know, the host. So somebody else just says, hey, anybody hey, in the kingdom of heaven, it'll all be good, Dad. Isn't that great? You know, let's all chill, relax. Let's have a nice time together. So he's basically saying, Jesus, chill out. I mean, holy Mackinac, what are you doing? But Jesus, then he said to him, a certain man gave a great supper and invited many. And he sent his servant out at supper time, and he said to those who are invited, come, for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. First said him, now listen, you send out an invitation, they said they're all coming. Then when you say it's ready... See, you know, these are people who RSVP'd, said, I'm coming, I'll be there, I'm there for you, whoa! But then when it was ready, they all started making excuses. When it was time to actually put up, when it was time to actually come, when it was time to actually get involved, they're like, I got other stuff going on. They come for things are ready, but now they all with one accord begin to make excuses. The first one says, I bought a piece of land in Florida. It's supposed to be really, really awesome. Not very many alligators at all, I understand. But I've got to go see it. Now, he bought a piece of ground. He'd never looked at it. Well, that guy is pretty stupid. What a dumb excuse that is. Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to test drive them. How many of you have bought the car before you test drive it? Well, they read a review on Google. It was so awesome. I mean, you're probably going to check it out first. So these are all really lame excuses. Here's a really lame excuse. You ready? This one. I've married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. Are you kidding me? How many remember your first year of marriage? You took an invitation anywhere. You know what I mean? You don't have to cook tonight, honey, please. We got an invite out. Isn't that right, Johnny? Absolutely. Was, it, was that a bow? 
That's a lame excuse. Come on. Oh, sorry. Now, if this isn't a male-female cook thing. If you're the male and you cook at home, that's awesome. But these are all just lame, lame excuses of people. So he, still another, makes this excuse. Then, so then a servant came, reported this to the master, saying to the master of the house, being angry, said to the servant, go quickly out into the streets of the city and bring, this is Jesus at the after church party. He's telling this story. The master is angry, and he says, go out quickly into the streets, the lanes of the city, and bring here the poor, and, and, and still, and the maimed, and the lame, and the blind, go get them. And he ran out, and he said, master, I did as you commanded. There's still room. Then the master said to the servant, go with the highways, the hedges, compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. You folks... I'm not even sure you're going to be at the party. Awkward. That's Jesus crashing a party. And I just want to close by making three observations. Did he say close? <gasps> I thought there's a lot going on today. I better be you know, careful. Look at this. Three closing observations. Don't make excuses about your availability. Don't say I'm in, and then don't show up. Don't say, Lord, you're my Lord, you're my master, and, and then when it's time to actually use your gifts, your abilities, and talents, you're nowhere to be found. I mean, that's, these guys were, were the kind of guys who, you know, they didn't really care about the community. They didn't really care to help other people. Number two, let's make sure everyone is welcome to enjoy the scandalous grace of God. Let me read that again. Let's make sure that everyone is welcome to enjoy the scandalous grace of God. See, I'll tell you folks, even in churches around the city, I get guests and stuff who come here and they feel welcome. They call about our welcome statement on our webpage. They're going, are you for real? Do you guys really mean that? You know why they ask that? Because they've tried out church before and they've not been welcome. They've not been embraced. They've been looked at funny and strange and... I don't know if they're one of us. They're kind of creepy. I heard they do this or they do that with their life. Oh, my God. We don't want them here. Everyone. You know what everyone means? It means everyone. Jesus said everyone's welcome. You guys have developed this little exclusive club where you've isolated yourself from the people who really need help. And he says, don't do that. Please don't do that. Make sure that you take extra time in your life. If there's somebody at work throwing a party... Be the one they invite first. I mean, if, unless you work at Teen Challenge, of course, you're all going to go to the party because you're all Teen Challenge people. If you're not getting invited, well, call me. <laughs> but, you know, if you're at work and you're not being invited, because, well, we don't invite the Christian person. They're, like, so boring. They're so dull. I mean, if you're the person that they don't want to hang out with because you're so holy and so separate, and, you know, I spend my whole life every day, please don't curse in front of me. Do you know what sinners do? They sin. And then, you know, why don't I set them up to be awkward the other way around, like the religious people did? Oh, unclean, unclean, don't hang around with me. You know, thank God that Jesus didn't have that attitude when God said, go to that broken down mess, that sinful world, that rebellious creation, go to it and invite it back into restoration with me. Aren't you glad that he would come to anybody? <laughs> So let's make absolutely sure that everyone is welcome to enjoy the scandalous grace of God. Come on, why don't you stand up with me? Somebody please go to the nursery workers and the children workers 
and tell them that it's a miracle? <laughs> we sang the song today, Miracles Are Happening Now. Just want you to bow your heads, close your eyes. Everybody praying. Everybody praying. So, you know, the last line was that this means you. And yes, you are welcome. Yes, you are invited. I don't know where you think you are or been or done or whatever it is. You actually are invited. There's a special place for you in the heart of God. You know, he loves you. You know, Jesus came and he invaded the nasty religious party just so he could show that there's room for you. He came to break people free of religious bondage and expose us for what it is so that he could make room for all of us. I don't know about you, but if it wasn't for Jesus, I wouldn't have made it. But I thank God that I did make it. Thank God that Mark's made it. Thank God that there's all kinds of people that can go to a place called Teen Challenge and they can get hope and they can say, I'm okay. They can get healing and belief for a preferred future. But you know, maybe you're here today and you didn't know that, you know what? You're a front seat person when it comes to God. You're the apple of his eye and he's nuts about you. And he wants to draw you very, very close to himself. You know, if you're here today and you said, you know, I've, I've never felt comfortable to be a child of God. You sang that song, I am a child of God. And I, I couldn't blurt that out with all my heart because I just don't know. Well, let me tell you, he's talking about you. And he wants you to know that to those who receive him, he gives the right to be called the children of God. And you just have to receive him. And if you've never done that, you say, well, I've never received him. I don't know what that is. I've never received him. I want you to receive him today as your Lord and your Savior. Because he is. He's the one who forgives your sins and he's totally set you free. But I want you to receive him today. And if you've never done that, but you want to do it today, I want you to join the Father's family. And I'm just going to count to three. I'm actually going to go one, two, three. And at three, I want you to raise your hand high enough so we can see it because I just want to pray with you. Thank you. One, two, three. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Just lift your hand up high enough so we can see it. Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you. Anyone else? You can still do it right now. Okay, you can put your hands down now. Thank you. We're going to pray with you, and we're all going to pray. So you put your hand up. I want you to pray. Just open your mouth up and pray, because we're all going to pray with you. You ready? Say, Lord Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I declare I am forgiven. I am healed, and I am free. Thank you for filling me now with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, testify with my spirit that I am a child of God. Thank you for entering me in my life. I'm yours forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, that was really good. If you had your hand up, we did have a few people looking around, so they may talk to you because we do want you to fully unpack everything it is to be a child of God. And we're not asking you to join our church. We just want to be sure that Every benefit of being a child of God is realized by you. So somebody may chat with you, okay? I'm going to pray with you all, and the folks are coming up right now. There's prayer at the altar. The altars are open. If you need ministry in any way, there's healing at the altar. There's, there's revelation at the altar. There's prophetic words at the altar. There's revelation of God's goodness and grace at the altar. So the altar workers are coming right now, and they're going to be ready to pray for you and minister to you. So these folks are just blessed to serve you. Are you ready? Come on, let's pray. Turn around to somebody near you and say, you're awesome. I love that you're a part of my family. I love you. You're so good. Please, come on up to the altar. Come on up here and get prayer. You need prayer. You need ministry. 
they're here for you today. Heavenly Father, just thank you for your goodness and your grace. Thank you that you love us so much. Thank you for all the good things you've done for us. Thank you that you're a party crasher and thank you that you crashed my party and revealed the goodness of God in my life. Now I bless this house right now. I bless them with the love of the Heavenly Father. I bless them with the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I bless them with the revelation that the Holy Spirit is their divine partner from this moment out through those doors to reveal the kingdom of God. So I loose them upon their world to minister your scandalous grace to everyone they see. In Jesus' precious name and everybody said, Amen. 